What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I had another special guest on the show. I had Carolyn Offenstein on the show today. We had an amazing conversation. You guys are going to love this content. I'm telling you right now, because if you listen to me and maybe, you know, I don't have the best way of explaining things like behavior modification and how to end self-sabotage and how to get past your limiting beliefs. Sometimes I get a little long-winded. I go on tangents like I'm doing right now. So I had to bring on somebody who could explain things much better than I could, which is why I had Caroline on the show and she did not disappoint. I'm super excited for you guys to dive in. Now, you should know what I'm about to ask, but I'm going to ask anyway because it's good to be consistent. We want to know if you enjoy the episode. It would mean the world to us if you share the episode by taking a screenshot, posting it to your stories, and then tagging us both on Instagram. You can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can tag Caroline at Caroline Offenstein. It's C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E-O-F-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. And as always, if you can leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that would also mean the world to me. With that being said, enjoy the episode. All right, guys, I am joined today by a very special guest. I have Caroline Offenstein on the show, uh, who was a, I guess we got connected through a mutual friend. And, um, you know, it's like you're one of those people that I've known about in the space for a while. And we've kind of had some like random connections here and there, but it's great to uh, finally get you on the show so we can dig in more to, to your story. But uh, I appreciate you joining. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I feel like we've known each other for a long time, but this might be one of our first real like conversations. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know the, the industry is kind of funny that way where you're like, oh, I know that person, but we don't really know each other. But it's it's kind of funny how that happens. Um, there's always like, I don't know, it's not like six degrees of separation in the fitness industry. It's more like two degrees of separation. But uh, um, so I'd love to like start with uh, just like your your background, your origin story. How did you get started into coaching? Like, where did it all begin for you? And let's let's start and, and go through like the whole the whole journey. All right. I guess then I would take us back to like 2015, I guess end of 2014 even is when I discovered CrossFit. And I was always into sports growing up, but went to college, did more drinking than exercise, <laughs> that sort of thing. And it wasn't until really after I graduated that I drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid and became totally obsessed with everything fitness, you know, increasing my weights, actually focusing on performance and strength in the gym versus, you know, random diets here or there as a young woman. And that's also the time that paleo was so, so big, especially in the CrossFit space. So that was really my intro to anything related to nutrition was doing a bunch of random, you know, 30 day paleo challenges. I'm sure a lot of people know how that usually goes on day 31, eating like Oreos and ice cream and drinking beer and things like that. And I did that, oh my gosh, at least like three separate times with a gym or something like that with a group. And I got to this point where I was like, this is ridiculous. My body does not respond well to this. This is not sustainable. And that's when I really started studying macros more. So at that point, I was a CrossFit coach. Um, 
I moved to Colorado kind of during this time. I was also whitewater rafting. I was a raft guide after I ditched the corporate world. Um, And then I was trying to learn about macros at the same time because it was like the worst of all worlds. Like I felt like I did not have anything sustainable in my diet. Uh, There were a lot of ups and downs that everyone knows that's uncomfortable and it makes you feel all in or all out. So you're like always frustrated. I wasn't seeing the physique results that I wanted. And I usually felt burnt out, honestly, with all of the outdoor activities and then also fitness I was doing. So that's when I really dug into different types of nutrition, coaching certifications. Um, I even a few years, a few years later then went and studied more like integrative health and hormone health, gut health, things like that. And as I learned more and more, I really started to figure out, you know, like what works for me and my body. And it took me a while to get there uh, because I I also competed in bodybuilding, which we can talk about. It was a lot of intensity for for a long time, a lot of going hard in this direction and then that direction. Um, And over the past just two years, like coming up to more recently, that's when I really started to take a step back from all the intensity and the rules. And I feel like I've had this knowledge now for years and years, but it was about figuring out actually what works for me, my lifestyle, connecting my mind and body again, letting go of some of those rules, allowing some intuition to come back. And that kind of brought me to more of this like holistic health coach lens that I operate in now. I love it. Uh, it's there's a lot of similarities to uh, your your journey, your experience, and and kind of what I went through. So I'm really curious to hear what those like light bulb moments were for you, or maybe even like paradigm shattering moments. Where I think initially uh, we we get caught up in the the clean eating, like paleo and CrossFit being married together, and there's this kind of emphasis on like you know only eat quote unquote clean foods. And and for me, it was it wasn't through CrossFit, but that was just like what I immediately gravitated towards and ended up uh, my sister who's uh, eating disorder therapist told me I had orthorexia and was like this whole crazy moment for me of being like, wow, if, you know, I thought I was trying to be healthy and had this like paradigm shattering moment. And then that led me to more of a macro based approach. And then seeing, you know, how other companies operate within the, the frame of macros ending up with a lot of obsessive tendencies and just kind of taking one obsession and pulling it over to another obsession. And then ultimately finding this like hybrid, more holistic, intuitive, like macros are just a tool and we have all of these tools that are disposable. And it's a matter of finding like what fits for each individual versus trying to like place everyone in a box. But I'm curious, as you went through those phases yourself from paleo to macros to more of an integrative approach, like what were those paradigm shattering moments along the way for you? Like at, at each stop, I guess. Yeah. Great question. So the first one from kind of paleo and challenge, like that 30 day challenge mindset to macros was freaking burnout, man. Like my physique never was changing in the gym, even though I was working out constantly and I was tired all the time. (laughs) So it was like just absolutely no fun. And that was when I really got into macros. Um, that was probably a big one. Another one, as far as fitness goes, the first time I really did like a macros approach, uh, uh, fat loss phase, 
I just did a photo shoot kind of like for fun, for marketing. And I got those photos back and I was like, oh my gosh, I look skinny. I did not feel like I looked like the athlete that I (laughs) felt like I was. And that was a big transition for me from CrossFit into bodybuilding. And I really wanted to focus on how can I put muscle on? How can I train most efficiently so that, you know, when I'm eating at maintenance, when I'm actually really fueling my body, that I am doing what I can in the gym to really see my physique change. That was also really fun because I had never gone through like a gaining phase. And that was mind blowing in itself to just actually feel confident when the scale goes up and have that intention be really, really clear so that I felt very internally motivated in a different way than I had before. And that then really led me down the road to take bodybuilding then to the extreme. (laughs) There's a pattern here. Um, And I won my pro card in bikini in 2020, and I probably should have taken a break, and I did not really. I was just like, I want to do my pro debut and like keep going. So I ended up, obviously everything paused for the pandemic for a minute there, but shows started again Uh, kind of that fall. And I did two shows. And at that point, again, burnout, like it takes me a while to learn lessons, apparently. (laughs) And I had, oh my gosh, I was super lean, of course, but I didn't have a period. I was hungry all the time, like definitely argued with my husband more, just tired. Oh, it was, my body was straight up burnt out. And that's, That was probably honestly the biggest shift for me at the end of 2020 when I made a promise to myself to not do any type of restricting of my food for a full year and take the focus off of my health and put it or off of my physique and put it onto my health purely. And that was really when I got into more of like the spiritual side of things, um, some plant medicine work a lot of deep inner healing during that time while I also focused on gut health and hormone health and bringing down my intensity, letting go of restriction, letting go of control. And that, that was, that was huge for me. That's really when a lot of things changed. And I also totally pivoted my coaching during that time too. I love it. I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned the, the difference between focusing on physique and focusing on health, because a lot of times those two things get jumbled together in, in the, you know, mm-hmm individual's mind. It's like, well, if I look a certain way, then I'm quote unquote healthy, uh, which we know that those two things aren't always connected. And sometimes they can actually be quite disconnected. Um, I'm, I'm curious why you think, because I hear this a lot with, with people who went through uh, bodybuilding, bikini, whatever it was, any kind of like physique driven sport, there's this lack of pumping the brakes and like going through the ultimate burnout before and, and, and it's funny because the way that you phrase it, I've had several people on the show who've almost word for word, like I should have taken a break, but I didn't kept pushing. And then you get to that place where you're kind of forced to, um, do you think it's just like a personality thing that, uh, you know, the, the personality types that are attracted to bodybuilding, bikini, you know, more physique aesthetic driven sports, or do you think that it's just a lack of connection to understanding like what is my body communicating? Like, what's your take on why that seems to be a common thing? I think it's probably a couple different pieces, like definitely the personality types, right? Because you're not going through prep if you're not competitive and probably high achieving in other areas of your life. So you're, I think anyone who completes a prep and steps on stage, no matter what the result is, like you are a very 
self-motivated person. So you're just used to like pushing yourself and then maybe moving the goalpost and pushing yourself a little bit more. So I definitely think that's part of it. Another part is probably the external validation. So I swear, like those years that I was competing, I had the most Instagram engagement of ever, of all time since I've had Instagram, which is kind of sad, but I'm sure part of that is, you know, people cheering you on when you're working towards a big and exciting goal. But another part of that I really do think is diet culture and we really value thinness in our society. Um, So it's hard to like pump the brakes when people are so excited with what you're doing, right? We all have egos. So that's part of it. And then for me, another huge part was fear, like a lot of fear, kind of with what I just mentioned as far as will people still notice me and reach out to me if if I'm not as shredded? Um, Fear just in general of gaining weight, fear of seeing my body change in a different way and that being totally unknown, like at least from especially what I did with being like, I'm going to take a year off. Like, that's a long time. There's a lot of unknown in 365 days. So I think fear is definitely a big part of it too. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. I I completely agree. And and I think that as coaches as well, even if, you know, there's people that are competing that aren't coaching others, but I think that to your point, when you are expected to like, quote unquote, look the part, and then you're pursuing the extreme version of that and getting a lot of attention and engagement and you're like, all right, well, is this good for my business too? And there's kind of that side of it. So I can imagine kind of the the internal conflict. What, what was like the some of the biggest things that you had to get over when you decided I'm going to take a year, I'm going to heal, like no restriction. I need to just listen to my body, give it what it needs. Um, like what were some of the biggest things that you had to either let go of or get over from a fear standpoint? Some of the biggest challenges for you, like as, as we're having this conversation, I'm reminded of like the first time that I ever was like, I'm not going to track macros for like however long, like six months. And that fear of like, what am I going to do when I don't weigh my food? And then it wasn't as bad as I thought. But like, I remember I have to get over this. Like I have to just rip the bandaid off and do this. Uh, what were some of the things for you that were kind of like those big um, pivotal things that you just had to kind of let go of? One of the first things was my training because Oh, prep was like two hours of cardio a day, you know, five days of training, being super, super dialed in. And I started asking myself every morning before going to the gym or doing whatever workout, like, am I working out because I want to, and I feel like I fueled my body well, and I rested well enough, and I have this desire to move in this way. Or am I working out because I feel like I should or I have to or because I'm scared of what happens if I don't work out? So that practice really helped me tone down the intensity and still move. I was still exercising, moving in ways that were fun for me, but it took a lot of the it took a lot of the pressure away. And even just those small, simple practices like that help us turn back up the volume of our trust, if you will. Because like you kind of said, when you're tracking for a long time, when you have any type of routine for a long time, you do kind of naturally turn down some of those signals from your body when you're just on autopilot. And that's okay. And that's really great for a lot of people. 
But for where I was, I really wanted my intuition to come back online, but I didn't even really know what that sounded like at that point. So those small practices of just like checking in a little bit more, even just going inwards and thinking about my biofeedback every day, which anyone who's worked with a coach, they've probably ranked, you know, sleep, energy, hunger, cravings, recovery, that sort of thing. Just checking in with yourself each day to know how your body's even responding to different things as you go along. Uh, that helped. That helped a lot. That was another big change, just taking time um, for myself every day. And I really changed my morning routine during that time too, to actually give myself that time to reflect or to journal or to, um, meditate in silence or a guided meditation, things like that, just to really help you slow down. Oh, and then another really fun thing I did during this time proactively, because like I mentioned, I was scared of how I might see my body change. So that's also when I, started doing pole dance as an extra fitness class. And I'm really glad I did because it was super fun and it's a very body positive environment. So being able to like see your body in that different way and move in a different way that also really kind of helped shift things for me mentally. Very cool. And you mentioned that around that time was kind of when your coaching style shifted a little bit as well. Um, you said more of like a holistic approach. I'm curious, like for somebody who may have worked with you in the past to somebody who wants to work with you now, what would you say is like the biggest difference in your approach? Like how would that, how would you describe that in the coach that you were versus the coach that you are? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. I guess I I will kind of be a little hard on myself here. Um, I think the coach that I was, was... Oh, I hate to say this, but there was definitely part of me in years past that was kind of like, you know, you just need to get it together and hit your freaking macros. There was like, I'm sure I said that to clients or, you know, here are seven ways that you can get more activity in with your day. And I was very focused on these tools, like, like you were mentioning, right? These, these are tools like daily movement, tracking your macros. They're amazing, educational and very useful tools and I was very zeroed in on those. Um, of course, I talked to clients about their biofeedback and their lifestyle and things like that. <clears throat> but mainly, you know, are you working out? Are you actually getting your steps? Are you actually hitting your macros? Those were our big focuses. And over the past two years, what I've really shifted to is zooming out quite a bit. Um, because as I struggled coming back to my health and still, obviously <laughs> I still want to look good naked. I still want to have an awesome physique trying to balance that. I really started to lean into what are my beliefs about food? What are my beliefs about my body? Um, what are my beliefs even about success and what does health mean to me? Or did I just pick up this definition of what I think quote unquote health or looking good or confidence or whatever it is, is from, from someone else, from like an influencer. So starting to ask some of those deeper questions and paying more attention to why my clients were struggling, for example, with hitting their macros, what was their belief about their macros or about controlling their food or fears that come up if you're not controlling your food or you're not tracking and starting to really go 
to all of those deeper layers, some of them in our subconscious from when we were kids and we saw our mom dieting, for example, that can drive your actions today when you're in a diet phase, especially for a lot of women. So it was a a little bit of a mix, I guess, from then to now of going a lot deeper. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one, like hour-long coaching calls now too, whereas I used to do a lot of email-style coaching. And that's really what allows us to get to those deeper layers and really dig in and do the, it's kind of uncomfortable, right? Do some of that uncomfortable work to be like, you know what, why, why am I standing in the way of my own success? But if we can figure that out and we can start to nurture that and heal that, whatever it may be, usually a a childhood wound or a limiting belief, that's when everything can change. Cause you just opened up 27 doors (laughs) that weren't there before, or they were there, but they were locked. You know? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm really glad that that was your answer. It's kind of crazy that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, really hits home for me. When I first came up as a coach, I was, I was working basically as a macros coach for another company. And that was my approach. It was like, you didn't hit your macros today, hit your macros. Like that was, <laughs> that was it. That was what we were taught. It was like, hey, if somebody doesn't hit their macros, they have to hit their macros. Otherwise, we can't help them. And so that was all that I knew at the time. And the more people that I saw struggling and then the more conversations that I had with people, I was like, We're, we are approaching this all wrong. And it kind of led to this messy breakup between me and the company that I was working for. And, and basically the, the owner of that company was like, the way that you want to do things is not scalable. He's like, I have to run a business and it's not scalable. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Maybe, maybe it's not, but like, I don't feel morally okay with doing this. Um, for me, it was like, everything starts in the brain. Like everything starts with your thoughts, your, your feelings, your perception, how you view the world, your values, like your core beliefs and desires, all of it is like, why are we, why are we talking about the body when we haven't even addressed the mind? Um, and, and macros even in and of itself, like we're really just talking about one sliver of something that influences the body. So we're really missing the point. And that was just like the, a huge turning point for me, uh, in, in, in everything, the way that I thought about results and even what I consume, I I consume very little nutrition research, full transparency. I'm not one of those like nerds that looks at all of the latest nutrition literature. Um, I look more at psychology research. I look more at how we think and our beliefs and all the stuff that you just kind of touched on. So I'm really, really glad that I have somebody here that can kind of co-sign the difference between just being a macros coach and really what actual coaching should look like. Um, that's, that's a great point. What you brought up too, as far as like changing how you look at the research, I really appreciate that because that's, that's also another change that I didn't realize it just kind of naturally happens over time. I think as you start thinking about this bigger picture, this more mind body approach, because they, they can't be disconnected. Like you can't just live in your mind or just live in your body. You need both. Um, and one thing, one thing I learned recently is called the Hakomi technique and it's a mindfulness practice. And I know some people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, mindfulness, it's a buzzword. But the idea is it's so cool and it's been so helpful for my clients because it's all about really, really coming into the present moment. And for example, like when an uncomfortable situation comes up, it allows you to close your eyes, really sink into it, really feel into it and stay with it for a moment so that you can peel back some of those layers. So some people are like, well, what does that even mean? You're, you're going deeper. 
that's a practice that I really like that allows you to not just shut down the emotion or not just say, screw this. I hate this uncomfortable experience. I'm going to go distract myself, but really sitting with it and allowing yourself to see what energies are coming up, what past relationships are coming up, what past experiences. And that can really help people get to the root of, for instance, self-sabotage or why they might be blocking their own success or why they feel like they start over time and time again, things like that. Yeah. I love that. Can you, can you kind of give an example of, um, cause I want to, I want to like dive a little bit deeper here on the, the mindfulness side, mind body connection. Um, can you talk about what that would look like in a daily practice? Like the context of how somebody would start to implement and become more connected with what are some of those stories? What are some of those energies? Like what's coming? Like, can you just kind of walk through a, a hypothetical situation? Yeah. So the the specific practice I was talking about is definitely meant to be done one-on-one with like someone there kind of guiding you through what's coming up for you. But for solo practices, you might actually agree with me on this, but I was going to say I'm one of the rare people who I don't think you should have anything set in stone in the morning except for just carving out time for whatever calls to you, whatever helps you start processing. Um, for example, like some days I meditate, some days I journal, some days I read, some days I pull an Oracle or a tarot card or something fun. Um, but I think maybe a good specific example would be like, let's just, go, let's go with binge eating. Cause that's one that I am certainly familiar with in my own disordered eating history. So maybe that would be helpful for people. So if I am feeling like I'm going to overeat or or binge eat. Or when I say that, I just mean eating past the point of being full and usually far past the point of being comfortably full. So there's probably an a cue or an emotion or something that's coming up before that happens. So let's say you had a super stressful day at work and you go home and you turn on the TV, there's distraction involved, right? And then you grab something that's hyper palatable and that's what you end up overeating. In that situation, honoring the fact that you had a stressful day and noticing that maybe even as you drive home and really just trying to ask yourself compassionate questions like, well, what, what was really stressful? And like, wow, that was a freaking hard situation. This was a hard ass day. Even just like honoring your emotions like that, voicing it, calling it out can be really helpful to start to move that. Um, Some people, they might be scrolling on social media and feel really discouraged and that's what could lead to their binge. So in that case, noticing when you're on social media, noticing who you're following on social media, what are you consuming all around you? That's not food, but what are you consuming as far as TV, your Instagram feed, the people that you're around and really just, I guess awareness is a good way to say this, which is a great first step for like literally any practice or habit that you want to build is start to have awareness with just what's going on with you right now. And this takes, it takes time. It takes patience. It takes practice. And I would say, especially in this example, if you start practicing this awareness and you notice, Oh, 
I'm so stressed out right now. I'm like sad and I'm uncomfortable and this is why I'm overeating. It's okay if you still overeat. That's okay. But the fact that you were able to even pause for a second and say, this is what's coming up for me. This is what's driving that. That is a huge step in the right direction. And then the next practice would become starting to actually replace that behavior with something more skillful, but awareness, allowing your emotions to come up, calling them out, feeling them, acknowledging them. That's a great first step. Yeah. I love it. Cause really what you're touching on is at like the crux of, of what I talk about a lot, which is, you know, the, the true behavior modification has to start from awareness. It's, it's the pattern recognition first. Uh, and I love the fact that you go into not just pattern recognition, but also the feelings and situations and emotions that are kind of, you know, surrounding that pattern. So it's not just like, you know, trigger and then behavior, but it's like trigger. And then what was I feeling in that situation? And what was the context of that situation? And, you know, what were other things that may have been going on that, that led to that? Now you've got like the real pattern recognition with all of the color commentary that sometimes we leave out, which brings you to that next step of, well, I can't change anything that I'm not aware of now that I'm aware of, of what's happening. I can, you know, and like you said, you still might make the same decision, which is totally fine. But at least you made it from a place of conscious choice and awareness, which is a huge step. I think so many people lose sight of that, um, that that step is is massive. When you are like, I did this and I was totally conscious and aware of it. It was my choice to do this, like huge first step, because now that gives you, you know, you're coming from a place of empowerment to actually make the, the behavior modification, which sometimes can feel really slow and boring and arduous because like you said, some of these patterns could have been developed when you were a child. It could be 30, 40, 50 years of the same pattern over and over again. So changing that and, and kind of rewiring your brain is not a process that happens overnight. Um, but I think it's good. I really like how you said changing from a state of empowerment too. I think that's really important to acknowledge because when we try to change our habits, especially eating habits or exercise habits from a place of disliking ourselves from being angry with ourselves from being frustrated or wanting to change our body because we hate it or something like that it's pretty much never successful maybe short term but definitely not long term so i really like how you called that out to say how can i change this from a place of empowerment um similarly to having compassion for yourself when you're in these situations as well and Instead of calling yourself a piece of shit or whatever might come to mind, being like, wow, this this was hard and this does suck and I don't feel great right now, but it's okay. And maybe you even just place a hand on your heart and take a deep breath when you're in that moment. That right there can shift so much in your brain chemistry and how your body is going to respond to that situation. So it, yeah, it definitely is important where you're coming, what lens you're looking at yourself from as well. Yeah. And I think that it also helps to reframe like the self-sabotage label, because I think that sometimes we throw that around and then we start to ask those questions of why am I not good enough? Why am I not disciplined enough? Um, do you take a similar approach when you're talking about like clients who might label themselves as self-sabotagers? Like, you know what? I do so well. And then I just like implode, you know, I'm, I'm good for a month. And then all of a sudden the wheels come flying off and I just can't get out of my own way. Um, do you kind of go through like a similar practice or, or what are your thoughts on just like helping people overcome the the self-sabotage pattern? 
I totally agree with you that the term sucks. I mean, I use it too because everyone knows what you're talking about, but we're not consciously sabotaging our own progress, right? When these situations that we were just talking about, they when they come up and we act in a way that's really unskillful, that's usually our subconscious trying to protect us in some way, shape, or form because we felt unsafe. So I think that's really important to remember when you're when you're talking about this. And again, coming back to that compassion, remembering that you are not consciously choosing to derail your progress. There is something deeper going on that is causing you to react in a certain way versus, you know, maybe being in that receptive, compassionate mode. So I actually, um, a few months ago, designed a three-part free workshop on my website uh, on this topic that kind of takes you through, I call it more than willpower, because we often think, I just need more willpower. I just need more motivation. That's what's wrong. But again, that's very, very consciously driven, right? Motivation and willpower, you have to be acting from your conscious mind. And I think statistics vary, but I believe we are only in our conscious thought like 5 to 15% of the time. The rest of the time, the choices that we make, the actions that we take are coming from our subconscious mind, which is thanks to evolution, survival technique. But it can be difficult in today's society when we are constantly distracted and constantly being sold to and all these kinds of things. So the the approach I take definitely, again, starts with awareness, exactly like we were talking about. So pretty pretty similar is to come back to Oh, like your example is a great example, like 30 days, you feel really good, but then something comes up all the time. That's a great spot to dig into. Like what is happening in the 30 days? What is happening on day 31? What are you feeling? What thoughts are coming up? Like even if they are all crappy thoughts about yourself on that day 31, write them down. Get them out of your head, get them onto paper. And this is an exercise I love. Like when there are limiting beliefs coming up, write them all down. Like, I could never make that much money. I could never be that lean. Um, I can never stay healthy for longer than 30 days. Whatever it is, write them down. And then what you can do is turn that sheet of paper and write down beliefs that you want to be true about yourself. So, which is sometimes the opposite, sometimes it's slightly different. Like, I am always confident in my food choices. I feel empowered by my nutrition and fitness routine, things like that. And then to solidify this, just like any other habit, this is a practice you come back to time and time again of reading those new beliefs. Because like you touched on, a lot of us have carried these patterns for years, sometimes decades. So it does take time to reprogram those thought patterns. Uh, Someone gave me this analogy, my friend who's a hypnotherapist, which hypnotherapy is another great tool if you want to dig into that. But it's like the the patterns or let's say the self-sabotage route that you've been on, it's like you've been cross-country skiing and you've really paved those tracks in the snow. If you want to do something different, you're going to have to pick up your skis and move into the powder. And sometimes that powder is deep and it takes some time to readjust But that's kind of a good way to think about it when you are maybe a little discouraged or frustrated to keep going and and carve that new path. Yeah, totally. It's funny you say that. I use the the riding a bike over a dirt road analogy where it's like you've taken your bike over the same dirt path and you've got this massive divot from all of these years of the same path. And then like 
the one time you took a different path, there was no new divot. And then the next time you might've just like reverted back to that old path because it's been there for so long. But if you want that new path to be formed, like it does take a lot of time to start creating that new pattern. Um, and I, I really love how you mentioned the fact that like when, when we're in that conscious state, typically most people know what they want to be doing, what's in their best interest, what makes them feel good. Like in that conscious state, you're like, okay, great. This is, this is easy. I know that if I go for a walk, I'm going to feel really good afterwards or during, and that's, that's an easy choice to make. It's the unconscious thoughts and the subconscious behavior patterns that we're talking about, which is actually, this is a good question for you. How do you get people to buy into that? Because I feel like that's, that's what I talk about most is like, Hey, we're talking about real behavior modification. We're talking about like actually shifting your beliefs and starting with your mind and, and really like assessing what are those patterns that exist and how do we modify those to get you what you want out of life, which is a lot different than like, Hey, I'm going to like get you lean and shredded and like, here's how we're going to do it. Um, do you struggle with that at all? And, and just like the, uh, you know, wanting to help as many people as possible, but it's like, I guess the, the best way to summarize it is how do you balance telling people what they want and giving them what they need? I definitely struggle with that. I am not an expert on marketing or sales. <laughs> I wish I was. But how how I kind of think of it, um, which I don't know if you're into human design at all, but I, I do also kind of like human design, which is a little bit of a astrologically driven like personality test, if you will. And so I do try to follow my strategy in that, which is helpful. And I actually, part of my strategy is waiting for people to come to me. So I like to remember that and practice patience because I'm a projector. But I also believe that everyone gets there at a certain point. If you are in, if you are into fitness and nutrition and wellness, you are going to get to the point where you're looking more at mind-body connection, intuition, maybe spirituality. Um, subconscious beliefs. It's almost like if you were wanting to cross a river and there were stepping stones to get you to the other side, the first stepping stone is maybe like a 30-day challenge. (laughs) The next one is probably learning about macros and learning more about training and what feels good to your body and how does your body respond to workouts. Uh, Eventually, you're going to get to the stepping stone that is kind of what we're talking about in this conversation that is beliefs and this deeper work and deeper healing and inner child work and that sort of thing. But I think everyone is kind of destined to get there at some point. It's just where you are in your journey is perfectly fine. And that's a great place to be. And you're probably meant to be exactly where you are right now. But as you keep going, and maybe you don't keep going, I shouldn't say everyone gets there because some people do just stay at macros and they feel good there and it works for them. Cool. But if you keep digging and digging and digging and you keep searching for like, I want more and I want to push myself in a different way and I want to expand and I want to, you know, see if I can push this limit farther, then you are probably going to cross all the way to the other side of the creek and have these, these, these other doors in front of you and doing that deeper work, doing that, that inner healing, that subconscious work, that's really what opens those doors on the other side. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, sometimes it is okay for the person who has been through 
three paleo challenges and wants to do the fourth to be like, you know what, that's, that's the path that you're on right now. Go, go do the fourth one. That's okay. And what, what can you learn from that? And, you know, I'm, I say that from experience because I, you know, it took me 10 years to get out of my yo-yo cycle and my, you know, chronic dieting ways. And I never, I didn't have the awareness of I'm just doing different versions of the same things over and over again. It's landing me back at square one um, because I guess I struggled to uh, learn lessons quickly also. Um, so, but it was, you know, I, I look back, I used to, I, I used to look back and be like, how could I have been so blind and how could I be so stupid? And then through what we're talking about right now, I was like, man, every experience was so valuable. I learned something from everything that I did. Even the fact that like, I still have thyroid issues today because of the damage that I did to my body through extreme restriction and deprivation. Um, I don't, I don't regret any of it. I look back and I'm like, I learned so much about that and it's led me to where I am now and I wouldn't change it for anything. So sometimes I think you're right. It just, we take the windy road. Maybe the stepping stones aren't linear. <laughs> there's like one over here. There's one right here. Then there's one behind yeah. us. We're like, Hey, we took this like very uh, circuitous route, but eventually uh, if you keep digging, I agree that, that you get there eventually. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, like you said, you still struggle with some thyroid things. I mean, I still do not have a totally optimal cycle as far as my female sex hormones go. And I want to get pregnant now. Like my priorities have changed. And I'm like, man, this is uh, I sure put my body through a lot the last, you know, six plus years. But at the same time, even right now, then that's another opportunity for me to learn about this other area of health. And uh, really just an opportunity for growth in a different way, I think. So if you can keep that attitude as well, kind of like we were talking about with awareness, the lens that you're looking at where you are on your path and where you still have to go or where you want to be, that plays a huge role in your success as well. Yeah, completely agree. Um, this has been a amazing conversation, really enjoyed it and uh, super enlightening. I hope that everybody got something out of this. I would love for you to uh, just... Let everybody know where they can stay connected with you. Um, you mentioned that you have a free course. If you want to let them know where they can get access to that and wherever you hang out online, just uh, let everybody know. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. This was really fun to actually catch up virtually face to face, but I am most active on Instagram. Uh, my, whatever you call it, tag account is just my name at Caroline Ofenstein. And then my free workshop that I mentioned that is kind of about going beyond willpower and getting into your beliefs is at my website, ccowellness.com. And I also have a podcast. I'll have to have you on my own podcast soon. So if you like this kind of topic of the science of health, the spirituality, the deeper layers of health, uh, you will probably love my podcast. And that is called Macros, Muscle and Manifestation. I love it. And we will post all of that in the show notes. So everybody go follow Caroline. I appreciate the conversation very much and uh, we'll stay in touch. We'll talk soon.